discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Well, we've been blessed to welcome some fascinating people over the years here on the road. But today we reconnect with a gentleman whose contributions to the science of the stars are quite simply out of this world. Dr. David Bradstreet is a celebrated astronomer with an asteroid named in his honor, a beloved professor at Eastern University, and an author whose book Starstruck is an absolute treat for anyone who's ever been in awe of a beautiful night sky. And he is quite truthfully one of our absolute favorites. It is just the best to have you back, my friend. How's it looking today, sir? Today is excellent. It is excellent. We we had a nice almost three-mile walk after my heart operation, and my heart says, hey, I'm ready to go. So <laughs> I'm here with you and uh, looking forward to it. Oh, we're so glad to have you back and so glad that your operation was successful. You sound great. You're feeling good. I'm feeling very good, yes. Uh, I had asked for a brain transplant. They said, no, we're just going <laughs> to blade your heart. Uh, we couldn't get anybody to trade brains with you, so that's... You know, that I tried, I tried, but nobody wanted it. So <laughs> you're stuck with me again, Ryan. Uh, as we said uh, before we went on, the struggle for me is going to be not weeping uncontrollably from laughter and trying to get my breath after laughing at each time. But I will do my absolute best. And every time we've spoken, it's worked so far. So that's got to be promising, right, Doctor? Well, maybe, as I say, as I say, you just never know. I mean, you know, I like to think, I like to think that Jesus had a really good sense of humor. I mean, yes. look, look at the 12 guys he chose. I mean, yes. come on. Yes, absolutely. What a bunch of clowns. <laughs> Honest to goodness. How could, think about how could Jesus have kept a straight face with some of these guys? So, you know, I just think that sense of humor is something that God cherishes. And I think we don't. We don't uh, take advantage of that enough. I mean, think of your pastors up on the pulpit, right? And yeah. think, gee, you know, if they were a little funnier, maybe people would actually, like, maybe listen. <laughs> that's just a comment. I don't know if that's true or not. I think Jesus, I think Jesus, you know, could make people laugh hysterically. I, I just think that, you know. I think you have to be right because there is a certain perspective that humor gives you, you know, that you just, in everyday life where we rarely see past the end of our nose, humor gives us big picture perspective that we don't normally have, I feel like. I I, I completely agree. And it helps you put your guard down. Yeah. And I think can make your heart more receptive, frankly, to the truth. Yeah. You know, rather than, than, you know, putting up a front and guarding your emotions so tightly that, you know, I'm not letting anybody in. When people are laughing and having a good time, you start to relax. And yeah. I really think that that can lead to some really deep and meaningful conversations. Now, I want to ask you about asteroids. <laughs> first thing first. And the unique thing about asking you about asteroids, you actually have an asteroid named in your honor. How is the asteroid doing these days, by the way? Yeah, with my luck, it's going to be the one that hits the Earth. I knew as soon as they named this thing that that's probably the one that's going to hit. 
So as far as I know, it's still it's still orbiting. It's still fine. People are actually still observing it, and okay, they they keep track of these things, you know, uh, to to track out their orbits and stuff. So so yeah. far, so far we're we're safe from the asteroid Bradstreet. And you know, your listeners might think, well, geez, he probably paid twenty bucks to have his name <laughs> on this piece of rock. You no. know, like you can on the star registry kind of a no. thing. No, and not, that was not the case. It was named in, in my honor of actually doing something worthwhile in yeah. astronomy. So contributions to science and the human yeah, race. Yeah, so it's actually yeah, it's actually something that's uh, worthwhile being named after. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> what I want to ask you about in terms of asteroids, in addition to the asteroid Bradstreet update, is I was reading about the asteroid Bennu, B E N N U. And I understand this is one of the two asteroids that scientists are most concerned about in terms of potential collisions with us, with Earth. They say they've just upgraded the chances that it might hit us. It's now a 1 in 1,750 chance of hitting Earth before 2300. Should we be concerned, Dr. Bradstreet? Um I would say no. I think the asteroid you should worry about is the one we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these things fly by us all the time. Often, if you pay attention to the news, it's interesting. You'll see in the news, oh, by the way, a, a, a school bus-sized asteroid just went by the Earth, you know, say 200,000 miles away. Right. You know, an, an asteroid that nobody had seen until it went by. And although that might be relatively small, if it hit a city, it would pretty much, you know, half wipe out the city. And those that size, there's nothing you're going to do about it. So, you know, we're on this highway with rocks flying around. The Earth gets hit all the time by small things, but eventually we are going to be hit. There's no, there's no ands, ifs, or buts. The question is when, not not are we. And we don't know the size. And even if we could see one, I mean, they are talking about ways of preventing larger ones, like sending a rocket out there, attaching a booster to it, nudging it out of the way. That theoretically is possible, but, you know, I don't think Bruce Willis is young enough to go and do that anymore. So, <laughs> well, that's, that's, I actually wanted to ask you about that. I mean, do you see that as a real possibility? Would we, maybe it's not the Armageddon scenario where we send up Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck and they, you know, they take the, drilling gear and try to insert the nuclear warhead into the asteroid, but it is possible we could actually do something like that? They are indeed looking into those kinds of sending something up. If you could, if you could jar it off course, even a little bit far enough away from the earth, um, you could, you could make it miss. And so they are seriously looking at that because the consequences of a big asteroid hitting the earth, would be the greatest calamity that ever happened in human history. And so, you know, looking at it and seriously and trying to come up with a scenario for preventing it is definitely worth doing because even if the chances are small, um, it only has to happen once. Yeah. You could, you know, and if you look at, if you, if you want to go biblically on this, you should check out Revelation 8.8. 8. And, you know, shall I, shall I read Revelation 8.8 8 for you? Oh, that would be phenomenal, Dr. Bradstreet. Please do. Yeah, so in Revelation 8.8, 8, it says, The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain all ablaze 
was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. And it goes on to th- about other things, uh, a star falling from the sky, etc. cetera. Uh, something like a huge mountain, sound, uh, all ablaze, is to me a tremendously accurate description of an asteroid coming through the atmosphere mm-hmm. and ablating, much, much like my heart was ablated, you know, burned up. The, the uh, rock coming through the atmosphere at high speeds will indeed uh, go ablaze, mm-hmm. but, but it won't completely disintegrate before it hits the ground, or in this case, the ocean. You know, it could, it could create a tidal wave half a mile high. I mean, you think about it, right? I mean, you think about a tsunami. We get very upset about a tsunami that's 30 or 40 feet high. We're talking a couple thousand feet high. And if it were to hit the Pacific, it could send a tsunami around the entire Pacific Rim. I mean, think of the damage. And it says here, I mean, we're talking a third of the ships destroyed. I mean, literally billions of people could be affected by this. Uh, so I'm not trying to scare people. No. But uh, it's, it's definitely the kind of catastrophe that could shake the entire world up, the economy up, countries up. It's something to take seriously. And because it could trigger other things like earthquakes and volcanoes. And sure. I mean, it, it could really be a horrendous event. And certainly we've had these in the past. Uh, if you believe in the dinosaurs, the dinosaurs were wiped out by a asteroid. You know, before that, they were around. They were very successful. I mean, they didn't have casinos and stuff, but they had, you know, they lived all over the earth. They were very, very successful. And all of a sudden, like 60% of all living creatures were wiped out in a very short period of time. And they've traced it back to this huge asteroid impact that fell right off what's now the Yucatan in Gulf of Mexico. And so it's like, you know, it's happened in the past. It could happen again. I think probably, probably next Tuesday. <laughs> I think, and I don't know why I remember this, but at the very beginning of the film Armageddon, I'm pretty sure Charlton Heston does a voiceover. And what he says is it happened before it will happen again. <laughs> you almost quoted him directly. That was really well done. No, he was quoting me. That's, that's, uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Ryan, the it's it's it. I know it's a truism, but it, it's because it is. It's it's going to happen. Yeah. Do you remember the the very small uh, meteoroid that that flew across Russia? Oh, what was that ten years ago? Do you remember that? I think I do it, remember it, seeing about you that. No, and it and it caused all kinds of shock waves and. Yeah, I don't think anybody was killed, but it, it just it broke thousands of windows and caused havoc over in in rock. I mean, that was that was a rock smaller than a school bus, right? Right, and 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 it basically broke apart. I mean, what if something a thousand feet across that was made out of nickel and iron came in at forty thousand miles an hour? I mean, if it would strike a city like New York, New York would be gone. Yeah. You know, the, the, the amount of energy that's released when something like that hits at that speed is just almost unimaginable. So oh. is, is it serious to worry about? I wouldn't worry about it. What are you going to do? It's kind of like scuba divers. 
don't worry about sharks because if the shark wants to eat you, he's going to get you. I mean, what are you going to do? Outswim them? Right? So you don't worry about it. You don't, you know, you, you don't, you take precautions, but you don't worry about it. And like, I don't worry about asteroids. I do think we are going to get hit by one. It might be in my lifetime. It might not, but I don't, you know, I've got to worry about preparing my classes for tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I don't worry about asteroids. <laughs> Dr. David Bradstreet is with us today on the road. He is a celebrated astronomer with an asteroid named in his honor, a beloved professor at Eastern University and an author whose book, Starstruck, is an absolute treat for anyone who's ever been in awe of a beautiful night sky. I love that you took us all through that because you are uniquely capable of telling the story and explaining the reality of it to us. Something that I found myself thinking about, though, as I pondered that myself, and as you were just giving that response, was the last time that you were here, you talked a lot about, you know, we give God a good bit of credit for being the creator, but we don't give him a lot of credit a lot of times for being the sustainer. And the hope that I found in that statement was, even at this very moment, Asteroid or no asteroid, Jesus is literally holding this universe together with his hands. And that's someone, no matter what, that we can trust. No, absolutely. It's such a, you know, the, the idea that, you know, you can, you can talk to even, um, I almost said atheists, but you can talk to many people who aren't all that religious. And they'll admit to the possibility of a, a supreme being that created the universe. But their idea is pretty specific that all right, the universe has been made and it runs on its own. In other words, it was made so well that it's self-sufficient. And that is a completely heretical, anti-biblical idea. That is not, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. In fact, as you were saying, it says just the opposite, that right. God created and then he's, he is literally sustaining the universe at all points at all times. So everything that's happening, the chair you're sitting in is being held together by electrical forces, but those electrical forces are under God's command at all times. It's not like he, he's, he set up laws and now things just happen. It's a, this is God at work. God is always at work, Jesus said. You know, he used to get yelled at about working on the sabbat on the Sabbath, and <laughs> Jesus said, "You know, my father's always working; I'm always working." You know, guys get a life, <laughs> and and you know, God is always at work. He's this is, the universe is being held together by every atom, by God, at all places, all times. And you know, and then people say, "Oh, good grief! How can he possibly do that?" It's like he's infinite; he can do anything. What? what kind of a God do you think we worship? There's nothing you can't do. He's got time to give you hugs and find a parking place and hold the universe together and not break a sweat, you know, and tell you a joke. I mean, you know, and listen, listen to your three-year-old's crazy prayers. I mean, yeah. and God, of course, who, who invented what we call time, he's not constrained by time, yeah. so he can do everything yeah. all at once and still have time for everything. I mean, it's, it, it's a, he's a marvelous God. He couldn't be a better God. He couldn't be more marvelous. And the more you learn about him, the more excited you should be that 
we get to spend eternity with them, learning about them. We'll never learn everything about them. It'll take an infinite amount of infinities, and still there'll be more to learn. Huh. Ha, that's great. I love that. Well, we had a show about, well, I guess it was a couple months ago with Ann Wilson, who is a tremendous recording artist, and she's only 19 years old. She has the number one song in America right now. But she told us, Dr. Bradstreet, that she wanted to be an astronaut instead of a recording artist. And we talked about Saturn. And she said, you know, basically, I want to go to Saturn someday. I'd love to go to Saturn. And she was very fascinated by the rings of Saturn, but made the comment, I don't really know what's going on with the rings of Saturn. Like, why does Saturn have rings? And suddenly I realized, you know what, I'm talking to the person who could tell me. What are the rings of Saturn? I can't help but ask you. Okay. So it's interesting that all the all the planets like Jupiter, they're called Jovian planets because they have a good sense of humor. So it's <laughs> Jupiter, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. And it is pronounced Uranus, by the way. Okay. All all four of those planets have rings. Did you did you know that? Jupiter has rings? Yes. It does? It does, and so does Uranus and Neptune. I think I knew that about Uranus. Yeah, Jupiter has rings, absolutely. Now, they're not big and bright like Saturn. Saturn has the brightest of the rings and the most expansive. So what do we think rings are? All the rings of the planets lie within a certain region, which uh, we call the Roche limit, R-O-C-H-E. He's a, he's a French mathematician, astronomer. And what happens is, if you if you take a big um, like a moon and you put it too close to its mother planet, the gravitational pull on the near side is so much greater than the pull on the far side that the gravitational difference called differential gravity will literally tear it apart. So it's pulling really hard on the near side and not nearly as hard on the other side, and it literally rips apart the moon. And so you, you end up ripping it apart. It's going to break into pieces. Those pieces, many of them, will go into orbit. And that's what the rings are. They're probably a, a moon or a body that got within that Roche limit, within that too close to the planet where a big body can't exist, and got torn apart by that differential gravitational force, a tidal force. And so the rings of Saturn are, are literally billions of pieces of rock, ice, and dust that orbit like tiny moons. Huh. And that's that's the case for all the moons. If you look at where the rings are for the different planets, the Jovian planets, they all lie within or very close to that so-called Roche limit. So wow. that's that's what the rings. The rings are kind of a either a moon that got too close or a a body that would have liked to have been a moon but just can't because of the the ripping apart uh, gravitational forces of of the mother planet. Wow, thank you for that. Okay, Dr. David Bradstreet here with us today on the road, the celebrated astronomer, professor at Eastern University. Now, Jupiter, maybe the reason I, I didn't think about rings with Jupiter, well, no, the truth is I just didn't know that. But when you think about Jupiter, you think of the great spot of Jupiter, right? And that's just like an eternally brewing storm. Yeah, I wouldn't use the word eternally, but certainly it's long-lived. It's been there as long as we've been looking at Jupiter through telescopes, which was, you know, started in the 1600s with Galileo. 
And what the, the great red spot, we're still not sure what it is, but it is the highest cloud in Jupiter. And it's actually a high pressure zone. And we can, we can tell that because of the way it, it uh, rotates. And it, it, it does change in size, but it stays in the same, basically the same position. And mm. we're not sure what's, what's causing it. <laughs> no, we don't know. We don't know what, we don't know what's going on. With, and, you know, there are lots of storms on Jupiter, uh, hurricane-like, uh, but nothing like the Great Red Spot. The Great Red Spot is roughly twice the size of the Earth. I mean, think about wow. Think about a hurricane twice as big as our planet. You know, when we have hurricanes, you can picture in your mind the size of a hurricane. Is I would say a good hurricane is roughly the size of the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, yeah. You can probably you can probably see that image in your mind. Yeah. As scary as that is, now think of a hurricane that's twice the size of the entire Earth, and that's what the Great Red Spot is. I mean, it's you know it's a it's an anti-cyclone. It's a high-pressure system, not a low-pressure system, but still, the size of it is just mind-boggling. And Jupiter has lots of other storms. They're not red. They're typically white and brown. But okay. uh, it's a very, very active uh, body as far as wind, wind speed and so on. Well, let me, let me ask you this first to make sure that I get it in here in our last four minutes. Uh, Dr. David Bradstreet with us today on the road. If somebody wants to get a copy of the book Starstruck, which is just your magnum opus on the extraordinary relevance of uh, evidence for a creator in creation. If they want to get a copy of Starstruck, where should they go first? I would say Amazon is the best place to still get it. That would be the easiest, uh, fastest way to get a copy. So just go to Amazon and type in Starstruck Bradstreet and it'll come right up. One of the things that I'm always so fascinated by and you talk about the weather challenges on Jupiter, you talk about just the incredibly awful weather conditions on all of the other planets in the solar system. Essentially, Earth, it really is the only place in the solar system, the only place we're aware of that is capable of sustaining life. Can you drill down on that a little bit and your concept of the Goldilocks planet? Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting, I mean, what's in the news now are certain people who I won't name who think that going to Mars is like the be all end all. Let's go to Mars and set up a colony. And like, as far as adventure exploration, et cetera, that's cool. But think about what that entails and what you have to do just to survive on Mars. There's no atmosphere to breathe. You've got to go find water. Uh, you know, so you can't go outside because you'll blow up. I mean, <laughs> there's almost no air pressure. I mean, it's, wow. just, it's just not its just not as romantic as you think it's going to be. How about if we take care of the planet we have and make it, you know, more livable, you know, produce food, you know, help people become happy on the planet we're on rather than looking to other planets. Now, I'm not saying don't explore, but don't think that going to another planet is going to solve any problems at all uh, because all you're going to do is bring your earthly problems with you. And so, you know, I, I'm all for exploring other planets with people or with robots. That's a lot cheaper with robots. 
and I, I would be, I would love to go to Mars myself and just explore, not stay there. Um, but I think we'd be better off spending a lot more of the resources taking care of the planet God has given us that is literally made just right for human life to thrive, not just to survive, but to thrive. And we've got to take good care of it. I mean, this is what God told us in the garden, right? Take care of this place and don't, don't be stupid with it. Well, one more time, the book is called Starstruck. Dr. David Bradstreet has been with us today, the celebrated astronomer, an asteroid named in his honor, the beloved professor at Eastern University in a quality human being, if ever there was one. Uh, sir, the time always goes too fast, but it, what an absolute treat to have you here. Thank you very much. Ryan, it's been my pleasure. I can't, I can't believe it's been 26 minutes. Let's, let's do it again soon. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com.